You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. To all my corporate quitters and wannabe corporate quitters, if you're loving the podcast and looking for more easily digestible BS-free resources like the Quitter Starter Pack or How to Go Viral Guide, be sure to check out our website, corporatequitter.com, and our Instagram at the Corporate Quitter, where we spill all the deets on the daily, helping you get one step closer to just doing the damn thing. Now, on to our episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Corporate Quitter. I am so freaking excited about today's guest because I've been low-key stalking him on TikTok for a while, and he really knows his shit. His name is JT Barnett. He's built multiple TikTok accounts, including Honey House, JT and Sammy, and JT Barnett, which together amass over 1.5 million followers. He also runs Barnett X, where he teaches businesses how to create on TikTok and headhunts creators to be the face of brands. JT, I am so grateful that you responded to my message. Honestly, I was flattered. I'm like, oh my God, this person who's like doing the damn thing, like this big creator actually responded and your content is so on fire. Like literally when I talk to clients, I'm like, go follow JT because he knows what he's talking about. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate that very much. And I'm very excited to do this just from even our short conversation before. I know your podcast is going to be a fun one. And I know that the audience is really like dedicated to your knowledge. And so I'm excited to do this. Yeah. So what's your background? Like, I know it's sprinkled in some of your videos and stuff, but obviously TikTok has only been around for a couple of years now. So what were you doing before you actually became a TikTok strategist? You know, what's your story? Yeah. If we like zoomed out like more than five years, I was actually a professional hockey player. So that was like my past life. My whole life before actually getting into this was sports. Saying that I didn't view myself as an athlete. I actually viewed myself more as an artist because I was more interested, I had more of like a hobby and a passion for my creative endeavors off of the ice. Like I was producing music, I was making art, I liked making videos, I liked documenting like my day and like that kind of stuff. It was kind of like a split lifestyle. Like I was a hockey player by day and then at night I was more of like an artist or a creative. And so that was my last career though. So I retired in 2017 and immediately went all in on content. So I was like, if I was at like a level three of content creation when I was playing, I like just turned that up to like a 15. I went like really hard into it. it was like, I'm going to post a video every day on Instagram, fitness, health, and wellness. That was kind of like what I wanted to venture into immediately. So I started making that kind of content, built myself a little bit of a following. We ended up launching a recovery festival called Reset. That was the first company that I ever started, which was a health and wellness recovery festival. Through that that like built me a lot of like the brand relationships that we have. That got put on pause because of COVID. Obviously, there's no more events. So that recovery event was like straight up on pause. And then from there, TikTok came out and it was like, oh, this is like something that I want to pay attention to. So I started posting on TikTok, started building a little bit on TikTok. And then we were like, let's do the first adult TikTok house when like everybody was watching Hype House and Charlie D'Amelio and Addison Ray and like all of them were coming across your For You page. We were like, let's be the first adult house to do this because Hype House, Sway House, all of those are pretty much like very young and a little bit more chaotic and almost like high school or college. Let's like flip it and let's be like a lot older, a lot more like chill and like good vibes, but also like very interesting because let's actually show like all of us are working jobs while we're living in this content house rather than just being creators. And so that was a model of Honey House 
that was like what really solidified me as being legitimate in TikTok. That account went from zero to a million in 60 working days. So we took a month in Airbnb, grew to close to 500,000, took a month off because we couldn't book the Airbnb for longer than a month. So we're like, all right, let's go regroup. Went and regrouped for a month, went back for another month and took that account from 500 to a million. And now it's still just kind of sitting at a million. We're no longer like doing it. But that was what really solidified me for TikTok. And then that led into like everything that I'm doing right now for the strategy and all that. Wow. Dude, I had no idea your background was so extensive. Now it makes complete sense. Like this whole picture of what you've done and the person you've been also, it's cool to see how you had two completely different avenues, right? Sports, which is very one way of doing things and then creative, which is a completely different way of doing things and bringing them together in like a strategy, if you will. Because I'm sure, right, in hockey, right, you have to work with the team and like there's all these components that whether you realize it or not, trickle into what you do on a day-to-day basis. Could not agree more. I legitimately think that sports and hockey is still a lot of the fundamentals that I'm using right now in my business because there's so many aspects that go into it from one of like building a team as an entrepreneur or business owner, you're building a team because you're building a company. And within that, there's even just so many things of like working together and like how different people play different roles and like not everybody needs to be the front facing superstar. And that doesn't mean that they're less valuable than somebody that might be like more of like a glue person that is lower on the totem pole in terms of stats, but is like super important to the culture. So that's like one thing that I've taken from sports. Also for me personally, a lot of the way that I prepare for my business and all of that is from my sports. The way that I started to train and take myself seriously, my craft seriously the way that I go through ups and downs of like in my sport, it was like, you have a bad game. It's like, you have to just get back on track and like, you know, prepare for the next one. Same thing for me. It's like, I have a bad day or a deal goes through or something doesn't go the way I want it to. Learning to like bounce back is very important. And so there's so many synchronicities between my hockey career and now my business career. Yeah. Even the discipline thing, like you said, I don't think people realize when they're like, yeah, I want to quit my job and be a content creator. It's not like you post one video and shit goes viral and everything, all the pieces come together. It's like you have to work on it every single day as if it's an actual job because it is an actual job. People are so hard on content creators. Like it's as easy as just post a video and you go viral and brands hit you up and then you make a million dollars and there's no work that goes involved in it. Literally, you're a writer director, filmer, producer, editor, community manager, spokesperson. If you're not somebody that's working with an agency, you're your own brand manager and agent. You're looking through legal contracts. So you're doing so many things that people just don't recognize because it's easy to just look at it and be like, they're a content creator. That's easy. And that job is not real. It's funny because I feel like I used to be one of those people who are like, oh, must be nice. Like, cool. And then now being on the other side, I'm like, this is 10 times harder than my corporate job, which, right, I love it because it's a challenge and it's fun, but it's like, it's so difficult, but in a great way. It is hard. I like, I think most things that are like really worth it long-term are not easy or else everybody would be doing them. And so I think like, yeah, it is definitely hard work, but I would much rather do this hard work than be sitting at a desk and not be happy with my corporate because that's also hard. It's a different kind of hard. This hard is the actual work that goes into it that hard is the realization that I'm not happy with where I'm at. It still is hard both ways. I would rather take this and be like, yo, this is a lot of work and it's not easy and not everybody wins in this. 
but it still is exactly what I would want to be doing every day. Yeah. Plus it's fun as fuck. Like when the money starts coming in and shit, you're just like, wow, like I made this like in two weeks of work in a day. Like what the fuck? It's fun. But I want to kind of reel it back a bit. So with your career and stuff, what was it that actually led you to quit like hockey, right? Like start over. And even for people who are listening, how can they actually quit their job and get started? Like do a pivot like that even, right? From one career to another, that's so drastic. Yeah. So I think it's self-awareness. If you asked me two years before I retired from hockey, I would have stone-faced said to you with 100% assurance, I'm going to play hockey until I'm 50 years old. I thought that it was what I wanted to do. And that was when I thought that I was making the NHL. And I was like, this is still my dream. I'm going to make the NHL. And that's going to be the thing that I do. That's going to be my legacy. When I started getting cut from teams and that dream started like changing a little bit of like being less and less of a reality, that for me was when I started to check in with myself and be like, okay, what are my priorities right now? Like if it's not making the NHL, which it was, if it's not making the NHL, what is it then? It's probably like making some good income and enjoying the day-to-day of like what goes into this as a player. And then like potentially like maybe getting to travel and see some cool places and like be able to like have that as my career of like getting to go and live in different cities. When those started to kind of be wavering themselves, like the money that I was making was not what I wanted. The enjoyment of it was kind of like, it was just the environments that I was in weren't aligning with who I was anymore. Things had shifted for me where I was like before, when I was going to make the NHL, I was open to putting up with a lot of this because I knew it was on that stepping stone to get up there. But when that was taken away, it kind of was like a little bit more eye-opening to be like, hey, is this what I see myself doing long-term if that is no longer the end goal? That was like some self-intrigue of like, what is it then? And so I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I realized like, you know what? This is no longer serving the way that I want to be doing my day-to-day. It's no longer like beneficial for me. So let's make a pivot. And that was... 100% immediately, we're going to go all in on creative and what our creative endeavors are. So cool though. And also I applaud you for taking such a huge, bold leap because a lot of people, they're afraid to just do little things. And the fact that you, I'm sure your family was like, dude, you're crazy. People around you were like, you have it made. Why, Why would you give that up? Yeah. It's that same thing of like, it's all hard. I either am going to do the hard thing of leaving the sport that I've played, which is my career, Or I'm going to do the other hard thing of staying here knowing that this isn't what I want to do anymore and I'm not happy with it. For me, the first option of that, there's a lot more that comes through that door. Whereas the second one, you know, that's kind of a dead end. And so I was like, I'm going to go through this. Yeah, this is going to be a challenging time for me retiring and being done with this sport. But I also know that it's going to be so much better for me on the other side of it because I now have this realization that this is no longer what I want to be doing long term. Yeah. And you also have like the pre-confirmation, right? The confirmation from before with your other career that if you double down and do something that you love and that you're like really excited about, shit's going to work out, right? Yep. I think it always works out. Like I'm like a big believer that just like you're internally being guided by something that wants to put you in the situations that are beneficial for you. And whether that's like God or whether that's like just your inner kind of like confidence or whatever it is, like I'm a big believer that just like things are working on my behalf. And so even though I was like, this shit really sucks right now that I'm like being done with hockey and being done in a way that I didn't choose. I didn't choose to get cut from those teams. 
I didn't choose that the coaches or the the financial situation for the team wasn't aligned with me and what the budget was for me to be a player on that roster. That wasn't stuff that I was in control of. It was just like, that was the circumstances for me. And so those were out of my control. And so when that happened, it was just like, ah, like this is not the way that I wanted it to go. But I also know at the same time, this is happening for me. And so what is it that's the next thing that I'm looking to do or that I want to be doing? Because if I really look at the situation and be like, this is happening on my behalf and I'm not a victim of it, then it's like, okay, cool. Like, how do we move forward with this? Yeah. Just surrendering to like how life is kind of guiding you as opposed to being against it. I found things are so much easier. (laughs) Like it's supposed to happen. So just let it unfold. Yep. That's a hard thing. Like surrender is not an easy thing because you want to be in control and be like, I know what I want. This is going to happen. I look at a lot more things as gray now where it's like, I don't think that it's black and white. Like for example, like I was just saying, I would have told people two years before I retired that I would have played until I was 50. If you look at that black and white, it was like, I was wrong. I did not play until I was 50. But if you look at that a little bit more gray, I actually think that I still am playing. It's just a different game, but I'm still playing the sport. I'm just doing it in a business setting now, but I 100% am still still playing sports and now feel like I'm going to be playing these sports until I'm long gone. The container is just a little bit different. So I look at a lot of things as like, it's not black or white, it's gray. There's some good with this. There's some bad with this. There's some kind of like in between with everything. And I think that that opens up a lot of opportunities. I appreciate you saying that because I think it's in the corporate way or just society's way of saying like you have to choose one or the other and there's no like leniency or like, like you said, black or white. And it's just, that's not the case at all, ever really. Looking at things black or white versus gray is something that I've had to work a lot at. And like, I've spent a lot of time trying to just like understand where that comes from and why I don't want to have that as like the way that I look at things anymore. I think that gray is inherently a little bit more messy And so when there's messy, it's a little bit more emotional and a little bit more like you don't know how to compartmentalize it. Black and white is like, that's either right or wrong. That's either good or bad. I can label that and move on. And I don't think that that is the way that a lot of things are. And so I try to play a lot in the gray of like, dang, like that was beneficial in some ways, not beneficial in other ways. And a lot of the times it just was, it wasn't a good or a bad thing. It just was a thing that I just needed to happen And then looking at it in a gray allows a lot of those opportunities to open up. I love that phrase, play in the gray. I think I'm going to start using that one. (laughs) That's cool. I like that. I think there's a lot of fun when you're not so hard on yourself. It doesn't have to be like that. We're all kids, basically. There's no reason to do this whole totalitarian, crazy, old ways of doing things. And saying that, though, I know a lot of people, like, it's like it's a hard thing to ask somebody to, like, take it a little bit easier on themselves it still is the right thing, but it also is said with a lot of understanding that like retiring or quitting a job or leaving somewhere that you've been for a long time is not an easy thing to do, but that doesn't change the fact that if you know that internally that it's the right thing to do, it doesn't change the fact that it's the right thing to do. I love that. Because <laughs> as you know, like everything that I say is about quitting corporate and it's so against the grain. People are not happy with when I have to like talk about those things. But people know, as you've seen with the millions of people who've quit their jobs, like people are getting the wake up call of like, hold up, what they've been feeding us is not true, right? We need to do what we need to do, not what everyone wants us to do. Yep. Like I think for some people, working a corporate job is amazing. It's like, that's what you want to do. That's like your thing. You feel really good with it. Like you really are enjoying it. That's awesome. Other people... It's not the right thing for you. 
And that's the people that you're speaking to because in the past, those people were not spoken to and it was like a very black or white thing. Corporate is right, leaving that is wrong. Now it's like, oh, both can be okay. It's dependent on what's right for you. You need to do your own homework to understand which is the right decision for me. Because I think if you're working a job that you love and it's corporate and you're really enjoying it, that's amazing. If you're not, maybe it's time to look for something else. And it's totally okay. Like, this is your permission, guys. It's okay to take the leap if you need to or do something different. But I want to ask you, JT, because in a lot of your videos I'm obsessed with, but there was this one that stuck out to me, especially when I was in the beginning part of my journey. I was like, you know, everyone in the space talks about niche and right, finding your focus and all this stuff. But when you're first starting, it's very confusing. And so what you had said that struck me was like, don't think about the concept of like, okay, fitness, okay, lifestyle. Think about like, what do you want to be known for? Because that's very different from like picking a topic. So can you talk a little bit more about like niche for people who want to get started, like what they should focus on? And even the question of what do you want to be known for? Yeah, I can't remember exactly the way that I phrased it, but I think there's two conversations with it. One, I think niche is something that is, if you really are trying to move quickly, it helps to have a niche because people don't like confusion. When you go to a page and it's fitness and art and graphic design and animals, you just end up getting inherently a little bit confused as to like, oh, what is this about? And so most people have a harder time clicking follow on those. So if you wanted to go faster, I have found it beneficial to like pick something and go with that. But if you're not 100% sure of what that is that you want to be doing, what you really need to think about is what do you want to be known for or what do you really care about or the values and like start creating around those things. And then you'll kind of work yourself into a niche and you'll realize like, oh, I've been making a lot of content around my calendar and like my structure of my day. I actually really like productivity videos. I'm going to have that be like the thing that I'm going to talk about, productivity and tech or whatever it is. But you'll figure that out if you just follow the path of like what you're really interested in and what your values are. Yeah. And I found that as you go through that experiment to validate kind of phase, the things that are like, again, when you talk about before about something internally guiding you, the thing that's supposed to be your thing pops like, because it's you, it's innately you. That's a great point. But it is right. Like it so is. Yeah, no, it really is. I could not agree more with that. When you just said that, I was like, damn, that makes so much sense because for me with the fitness stuff that I was posting, it never like really like popped, popped. But I also at the same time inherently knew this is like a stepping stone for me, but the fitness niche is not what I want to be known for and is not what I want to be doing long, long term. And so it never really like got to the level that I thought it could have. Whereas right now, I legitimately feel like I'm doing exactly what I should be doing. I feel so like aligned with what I'm doing. I feel so good with what I'm doing every day. And I just feel like it's so intentional that I do feel like, oh, that is why it's working. It's not because of like a formula of a set of things that have happened. It's because this is just very like natural and just like aligned with me and everything I represent. Yeah, exactly. And even like to your point about the fitness thing, you still learned all the basics that you needed to know to like master content creation and just like the online space and everything to get you to this place of being a badass creator, right? If you didn't have that, then you're starting from nothing. That's like everything. That's like literally me looking back and being like, damn, when I when I was bullied in middle school, like that was like really brutal, but I learned a lot from it. And now looking back at it, it actually like led me to meet so-and-so who became my best friend. And like, every, that's where I'm saying, like, I think all of it is working on your behalf. You might not know that yet. 
that might not be clear to you yet. I feel like everything is a stepping stone to get where you want to genuinely be going. And so all of the stuff that I've done, particularly working-wise, all of the stuff that I've done that was halfway there maybe or like partially there, but there was also like a lot of stuff that I didn't enjoy. All of that stuff, good and bad, is now stuff that I'm actually tangibly using in my day-to-day to benefit me now with what I'm doing. Yeah, I can say the same exact thing for my six-year career which was all over the place. Like literally every single industry, startup, asset management, real estate, like now it's all coming together. And it's like, holy shit, full circle moment. No better feeling than realizing all those mistakes, quote unquote, the mistakes you thought you made aren't actually mistakes. So true. So um, I'm wondering, can you spill some deets on like the do's and don'ts of creation? Because obviously you've mastered it, right? You are like the OG creator. So what are some things that people like immediately are like a red flag and the others that are like, this is good, keep going? First thing that comes to mind is don't do it for the money. Don't do it because you want to monetize your page and make a million dollars and then move to an island and that's like what you want. Don't do it for the money. (laughs) Because like we just mentioned before, creating content is not something that is easy, especially when you get into it being a business. It's not something that's easy. There is a lot of preparation that goes into it. There is a lot of like work, real work that goes on behind the scenes. So if you end up doing it just because you want to monetize it, you're just going to end up getting burnt out. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say is if you're doing it for the right reasons, give yourself time. Be patient with it. I was just talking to somebody a couple of hours ago and I said the same thing of like, once you kind of know what you want to be creating about, I would try five or six different formats of it. So let me give you a little bit more even specific. Say you're like, I want to start creating content in the fitness world. I know that that's like my thing I want to represent. That's what I want to be known for is like my fitness content. Then the second thing after that would be kind of like, how do I want to do that? That's where I think you need to play in that test area for a long time because you want to just like figure out what feels natural to you in the content creation or like what you enjoy. Because again, like that longevity thing, it's like you want to find things that don't feel like you're struggling to go and do them every day. So when you have like that beginning understanding of like what you want to be known for or like what niche or what kind of content you want to make, then I would go into like literally... Try a video where you're doing a vlog style. Try a video where you're talking into the camera. Try a video where you're not talking to the camera and there's just text over it. Try a trend or a dance. Just taste so many of the different varieties of styles to make content so that you really can feel, oh, I like, I really felt that one when I was standing up and there was a ring light and I'm holding a microphone and I'm talking to the camera. Like, I really felt that one there. I want to make more of those because that's really what you want to feel is like, And you don't need to feel that way just from views or return from the audience. You need to feel that intrinsically with yourself of like, oh, I felt that video. If you follow that and it's coming from a good place, you're like, I want to help people or bring them value. And you're following that like feeling of like, oh, that was something that I felt was going to be impactful for people. Eventually, all of the like mechanics and the little like details will figure themselves out. And that's exactly how I built my most recent page was like, I want to put out education content and business and talk to creators and build a community around creators. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to do that. So I'm just going to try a bunch of different styles. I'm going to try some talking to the camera, trends. I'm going to try some with green screen. I'm going to try some where I'm vlogging. And I'm just going to see what feels good. And then through that, I started to realize, oh, I really like when I do it this way or set my camera down or go on a walk and talk into my phone. And then that's when I started to like really pick up steam was when I started noticing what I felt Because the audience 
can tell when you're feeling it. And so that's what I would say to start. Oh, a thousand percent. That's exactly why I think brands are scurrying right now because they realize that we can't be bought in the same exact way. Like we're becoming extremely smart consumers. And so if you're not representing like humanness as a brand or even a person, like, sorry, this isn't Instagram anymore. Like we don't want the pretty photos. I'm serious though. It's so aggravating. Like people don't get it, but it's a real thing. You know it. Throughout history, the best brands in advertisement have been storytelling. You know, like if you think about the ones that like we saw so much, it was like Geico, like they didn't talk about insurance one time. They literally have a gecko and like, they don't talk about insurance. Jake from State Farm, you know, like a lot of these ones, you don't see what they're actually selling. You hear about the story or you see entertainment or they do something that catches your attention. And then you recognize the logo and the emblem. And then when you happen to be needing something for insurance, shoes, whatever, you remember, oh, I saw that commercial. That's the company that I want to go to. And so throughout history, advertising has been better when you're a storyteller. Now, TikTok is bringing that back because on Instagram, with things like Facebook ads, you could boost, you could pay to get in front of people and it was affordable. So you could actually like artificially kind of like do that on the back end where you could pay to put your content in front of the right people without needing to necessarily be that great of a storyteller. If you were an amazing storyteller and you paired it with the boosting, that was a home run, but you could even get away without even being an amazing storyteller just by boosting it and and running it paid. Now that's not working as much. So now it's coming back to being full circle where it's like, you have to be a storyteller again on TikTok for your content to hit with the audience. And that's where I think a lot of brands are like, shoot, like we can't just buy them. It's like, no, you can't. You have to learn the creative. Yeah. But the cool thing that I'm finding too is that the more authentic and vulnerable you are, like the term super fan, I really understand now. Like there are people who like, they're in your world, right? They know you, they get you, they follow you, they like you. They're just like, what's the next thing? Like, what's the next thing? I want to get involved. I want to pay for this thing. And that's something that I think is super powerful that again, brands are realizing a quick sell is great, but like a long-term sale and a long-term customer is even better. So true. I mean, I think the goal of every company is for them to have customers for life, not just to immediately sell out of like the new product that they have this week and then them never see them again. I think a lot of companies are probably pretty short-sighted, whether that's because they need to appeal to investors or they're trying to sell the company so they need immediate results in terms of revenue coming in. I just think people have different priorities, but the ones that are not trying to immediately sell and are trying to actually build relationship will be the ones that win long-term. Yeah, and it's a long-term game. Yes, it is. So are there any content creator must-haves? Like, I know you've done a ton of videos on this, and I can just see from your studio, like, all the different gadgets you have, but are there any, like, go-tos that you recommend for people? I want to say, first of all, no, because you can literally do everything that I have done with just an iPhone and the app of TikTok, so you don't necessarily need it. There's nothing that is required other than that. The things that have helped me, my essentials would be a tripod. If you're filming anything where it's like it needs to be like eye level with you or standing up a little bit, a tripod is important. Some sort of like lighting, if you're not in a place that has amazing like natural light, like a ring light is just an easy, like great solution for that. Outside of that, I don't even want to go farther because I think that that is literally all people actually really need to go and create. And you cannot use those two as an excuse to be like, I don't need to, because at the very essentials, you literally just need an iPhone. Yeah. 
Like, that was a trick question, by the way, because I wanted you to say, guys, like, you don't need anything because it's true. Like, everyone's like, oh, I need this fancy equipment. And I'm like, just shut. The- no, like you already spent a thousand dollars on this piece of technology. Fucking use it. Like, come on. If iPhone wasn't prioritized in these platforms the way that it is right now, I would be pushing people to buy a DSLR. You know, I'd be pushing people to go get a nice camera and a microphone set up and like set up like, you know, home studio and like get great lighting and all of that. But like legitimately, TikTok has come out in their platform and been like, we don't care about any of that. The vibe of the video is a hundred times more important than the actual like production quality and where text is placed and the timing and all. It literally, so it doesn't matter. So you no longer need to have that stuff. And so I think a lot of that stuff removes speed and also adds like unnecessary excuses like saying like my lighting wasn't good enough or I didn't have an editor and none of that is a need. Yeah, it's true. It's not like Instagram where it doesn't need to be pretty at all. (laughs) Really doesn't at all. And even Instagram now is trying to pivot to be like TikTok because it's realizing that TikTok has come out and it's no longer just, oh, that works on TikTok. It is literally what works on TikTok works on every platform because every platform is trying to get what TikTok has right now, which is like real buy-in in the content. And so everybody, Snapchat, YouTube, Instagram, fucking Pinterest, everybody is like, can we please do what TikTok is doing? Can we please figure out how they are doing what they are doing? And their other companies are just having a hard time with it because it's not the mindset that the audience is in on their platform. Whereas TikTok, people's guards are down. People are open to posting a little bit more of the like unfiltered sides of themselves. And now everybody's realizing that that's what actually what America or like the world wants. They actually want to see more of that stuff. And so now all these other platforms are trying to copy it as well. Yeah, which never works. It's going to backfire. And also I found too is that like, like for example, someone was making the argument of like, oh, TikTok's great, but like Instagram still is the future because they're incentivizing creators. And like, that's great, but they're still paying you, right? They're still paying you to be on there versus it just being natural and like authentic and real, which is why TikTok is booming. They're still fucking up. (laughs) That's a great point, actually. Well, first of all, I actually want to say that that is not true because even though Instagram is quote unquote paying creators, I don't know one creator that is actually like making a full-time living off of Instagram from Instagram. Brand deals and stuff, yeah, Instagram is still the number one thing because companies haven't adapted to TikTok being the new thing yet. But if we have this conversation in 18 months, I'd be willing to say that majority of the companies have moved a lot of their budget into TikTok. And now somebody that had 60000 on TikTok and was only getting paid $50 a post before probably will be making close to four or $5,000 And it's just a much different conversation then because of the way that TikTok now has been adopted. And so it's just a little bit early for that. Whereas I don't see Instagram, even with all of the new things that they're trying to do, even with all of the updates and features, I just don't see people wanting to migrate back to that platform and use it as like their main thing anymore because TikTok is out. Yeah. Honestly, I've tried to repurpose content across other platforms and like it has some budging, you know, room. But I still feel like TikTok has the reach in this level of vulnerability that can't be accessed anywhere else. And that's the most powerful thing. I will say their messaging sucks and they need to get better at like their direct message platform and like the whole community building piece. But I love the lives and everything else about the app. It's remarkable. Oh, on TikTok? Yeah. I agree. I think that their DM is just not, it just hasn't been. One, I don't think that most people outside of like creators like you and I that are actually trying to network on the app use it as much. 
So I don't think it's as like used as Instagram. Instagram DM didn't come out for like nine years on the platform, you know? And then when it came out, people were like, oh, wait a minute, like people use this. So it takes some time for that to be like adopted. TikTok, I think that they will update it and it'll be useful. My one drawback with TikTok right now is just accessing your own following is a little bit harder. Like I follow people, but because they're not on my For You page anymore and the following page, I don't scroll that much. I don't see people that I'm following. So I would love for there to be like a way to sort my following page or my For You page to be like only people that I follow and it be like chronological or even even only people that I select, like a favorites kind of thing. But again, I think that that's something that they're working on with the millions of other things that they have on their table. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how like features come out because it's only going to draw more people in. Agreed. Yeah. So I'm wondering the burning question that I'm sure everyone asks you as well as just all my audience who are listening to this are thinking, how does someone go viral? <laughs> what's, what's the magic formula? If there is one, like what should their focus be if there is any? So there's no formula. That's the answer. You can take videos that have worked in the past and write notes on like why you think that works and then go and try to replicate that. But there's no guarantee in any of those. And I know everybody has had the example of like trying to make a video for an hour be a masterpiece and it getting zero views. And then also somebody posting or a friend of theirs posting somebody tripping over a banana peel and getting 11 million views, you know? And so there's no like real formula that people are like, we've cracked the code. This is how you go viral. I think that me as a content creator, I look at videos as frameworks. Anytime that I'm looking for new ways to have my content pop off, I scroll the For You page and I look at what the framework is of these videos that are working because they're on my For You page. So that means that they're working in some way. What is the framework of the video? Meaning... What is the plot in this video? What is the call to action? What is the hook? What are they trying to get across? Are they trying to be funny in this? Are people listening to the sound? Is the sound playing a big part? What is the text at the top that they're writing? All of that goes into the framework of the video for me. And that I take and go, oh, how can I turn that into something that is more natural to me or is more in line with my own content? And so I look at frameworks And that's how I determine like, oh, this video might have a chance based off the framework of mine being a framework that I saw of a video that worked on the For You page. It doesn't mean copy the video verbatim. It means use that and get inspiration as to like how you can go and execute it on your own. That is like what I would say my formula for virality is. It's looking at videos that have worked and seeing how I can do that in my own way. Outside of that, there's no formula. There's, I literally saw an article the other day that said scientists are trying to figure out the TikTok algorithm. Have they broke it yet? It's like, there's no fucking chance. There's zero chance that it'll ever be broken because there's no formula. Yeah, I think that's the fun part though is because creators actually have a chance to get, like new creators, right? They get a chance to actually be in front of a whole new audience. Whereas on Instagram, it's fucking aggravating to fucking post at certain times and it has to look like this and you have to do hashtags and blah, blah, blah. And like, those things are important, right? But like, it's so over the top to the point that you're like, I don't even want to do this because it's ridiculous. Yep. You know what? The, the formula is striking a chord within people. 
That's the formula. How do you quantify that and put that into a list of how to do that? Like, there's no answer to that. How do you strike a chord in some people? I don't know what strikes a chord in you. You don't know what strikes a chord in so-and-so. And so the answer is like, you have to strike a chord within somebody emotionally to get them to watch the video. And that doesn't need to be sad and it doesn't need to be angry. It just needs to be something that they're like, they want to move towards. And so that is what I would say, like, that's the North Star striking a chord within people. And that will lead you into a place that you will get the views that you want to get. But trying to sit and be like, here is the recipe for virality. Oh, no, no, no. That doesn't happen. (laughs) Well, also like neutrality in videos is so fucking boring. Like you cannot be neutral. You have to pick a side of your opinions or the way that you're going to come off about things. And that doesn't mean you go political. It's just like choosing a side of how you want to feel or how you want to express yourself and going full force. Like no cutesy shit. Like especially on video, you got to be full on out there. I think that that goes into being yourself. Put all of yourself into the video. And if you are somebody that's super quiet, that's okay. I follow a couple of people that are like, I would be like, this person is not a typical creator. And that's why I like them. And I'm like, oh, but they're just themselves. They're like literally like in a, looks like they might be in a dungeon somewhere. There's no lighting. <laughs> there's no creative at all. But like the ideas that they say are just like very creative. And I think that they just come off really nicely. And I'm like, fuck, like I want to follow this person and listen to everything that they say. Yeah. I love people like that too. Like, especially when they do like the behind the scenes or like they're doing their craft and you kind of see them and they're just talking, right? Doing an overlay. So nice. And they don't have to even show their face. I have a friend who has like thousands of followers, hundreds of thousands at this point, making a lot of money on her blog. And she does not show her face at all, ever. Dylan LeMay. Dylan LeMay is the ice cream dude at Coldstone that makes ice cream on camera. Oh my God, I love those videos. There's 8 million view, 8 million followers. I think you've probably got like more, more than that now. Last time I saw 8 million followers for the first, like, majority of his content. You don't even see him as a human being. You literally just see hands and ice cream. So, you know what TikTok has really done? TikTok has eliminated excuses. It really has. TikTok has eliminated excuses. There's no longer the excuse of, I don't have a nice camera. Or, I live in an apartment where there's no lighting. None of that matters. I was literally just telling you that one of my favorite people to follow is a dude that looks like he's in a dungeon. There is no excuses on TikTok. It just has to strike a chord in people. Yeah, seriously. Like half my videos are me with no makeup on, hair and a messy bun. And people are like, fuck yeah. I'm like, good, fuck yeah to me too. I don't want to do my makeup. Yeah. Cool. And and <laughs> if you did a video where you were like that versus a video where you're like completely done up and like trying to look amazing or whatever, I probably wouldn't even notice the difference because I'm going to you for the material that is in that content of what you're saying. TikTok is just more about like the substance of the content rather than the quality. Yeah, agreed. It's been fun and it will continue to be fun. So we've been, you know, talking a lot about like TikTok and just brand strategy and all this stuff. So I know you have a lot of things in the pipeline, a lot of things that both the individual and companies are really interested in. So can you talk a little bit more about like your creator strategy and this whole headhunting thing you have with brands, which I think is remarkable? Yeah. So like what I do now through that project, Honey House, the TikTok house that I started now, I had a bunch of brands approach me. I took on a couple of them as clients, basically just teaching them how to film organically in-house. So not like, hey, here's how you get influencers to make you content and then you post it. More like... I'm going to teach you, the founder, or you, the social media manager, how to start filming TikToks in your guys' office to film forever. And so I took on a couple of those clients. They all like really popped off. One at that time, 
follower growth was something that actually was more important because your content was shown to a lot of your following. Whereas now I don't feel like follower growth is as important as consistent video views. But those clients that I first took on got both. They grew following and they grew their video views. And actually most important out of all of those was they sold product. They would text me and be like, we just sold out of all of our inventory from one video going viral. That for me was like, oh shit, this is something that is not a joke. TikTok is a legitimate platform for sales. And so I'm going to go and build a team that teaches more people to do this because more people need to get on here. It's cheaper than running ads on Facebook. One, it's literally free. You could literally do this for free. Aside from these first couple of clients paying me to teach them how to do it, they're paying $0 on the platform to sell out of, a, of hundreds of thousands of dollars of inventory from one video. That is not something that I look at and I'm like, oh, that's some shit to fuck around with. That's like real. And so when I saw that, I was like, okay, more people need to do this. I have so many friends that are in Los Angeles that are in this e-commerce or direct-to-consumer world. I want to get these people on this platform and help them with it. And so I was like, this is going to be my business. So I started the team, started taking on more clients. Really, the only pushback that I was ever getting from people was, hey, we just don't have time to like do these TikToks every day and learn it and like do it consistently every single day. Do you have anybody that would want to film these for us? Would you want to film these for us? Like, could you find us anybody that would want to film these for us? So me on my own content, I was like, I'm just going to make videos asking literally anybody on the TikTok world, do any of you guys want to make content in Los Angeles for brands? You would run their account. You'd be paid as an independent contractor. You could probably make like 2000 to three to $5,000 a month. And you would just be making a TikTok every single day. That's your job. Run the TikTok. I made that video and one of those videos got me 1,500 people to sign up. And so once those 1,500 people signed up, I was like, oh, this is like, again, not something that is as small as I thought it might be. This is bigger. And so I was like, I'm going to actually like have this be like a a service that we offer where we will find creators for brands and have them at like a recruiting firm, find the creators, hand them off to the company. If the company likes them, we as the recruiter get a fee for finding them. Not from the creators, it's free for the creators forever. And they don't pay anything to me at all. And they get paid by the brand. But for the companies, for if I do find somebody that becomes an employee for them, they pay us a finding fee. And so those are the two like arms of our agency is that recruiting service and then the strategy. That's so awesome that you're doing both. Because obviously, right, people need help. They want someone to handhold basically through the whole process, right? I wanted that when I first started too, because it's daunting. It's very overwhelming. But the other thing too is that even for people who are quitting their jobs or just wanting to actually monetize their craft, right? Because it is a craft to be able to storytell and also just be authentically you. It's not something that's been valued in the past and now it is. So being able to be the connector between brands who are willing to pay these people could give them the freedom and also the opportunity they never thought they could have. I completely agree. I think that that's one of the reasons why it fires me up the most. At the beginning when I started it, it was literally just to help out my friends that needed creators because they were like, bro, I have three people on my team. I'm trying to raise money and do this and do this, logistics, and this is a nightmare. And so I was like, all right, let me help you find a TikToker. That was how it started. I didn't realize how beneficial it would be to these creators when I started it. But then after putting these texts out and people being like, bro, If I am making $3,000 for one of these brands, I will quit my job and this will be my full-time thing. And it's actually what I want to be doing. I just haven't been able to do it yet because I'm not an influencer. I haven't had brands hit me up yet because I only have 
5,000 to 10,000 followers, but I'm in LA, I'm super stoked, I would love to do this, and I will make five videos a day if that's my full-time thing. Being able to get those people to like quit their job and go and do this full-time and really enjoy it is like, fuck yeah, I enjoy that. I think that's amazing. It fires me up knowing that. And like, I think that the creators, working with the creators that are in my my database, my like contact sheet, uh, working with them will be like something that I'll do long-term. I don't know if it'll be an academy. I don't know if it'll be just doing courses. I don't know if it'll be like in-person meetups. I'm really not sure what it will be. But I know that it's like, I really want to continue helping them and working with them and doing that long-term. So it excites me to know that a lot of them are now potentially able to do that as a business for themselves, along with doing whatever else they want to do on the side. Dude, you're like just scratching the surface. This shit's going to pop even more so than it already is. And I'm excited for you. It's needed and you're itching a scratch that everyone wants. So thank you. Great product. (laughs) Great product. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it didn't come with that effort, you know, so it's well-deserved. So I want to wrap this up. This episode has been awesome, even for me. But one of the things that I like to ask every single guest is just one final send off of if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Honestly, if I could give advice to my younger self, the advice would just be like, bro, just listen to yourself, get quiet and like listen internally to like what you know is your way and is the truth for you. Because I think I, I don't regret it in any way because I think that it has really helped me. But a lot of the times where I've been deviated in my path is just from listening to other people that had good interests into what I was doing, but just didn't know me and what I wanted. And so my advice to my younger self would be like, bro, you know what you want. You know what to do. And I would just listen to yourself because you're going to get to the place that you want to go by following that. Oh, yeah. You'll never steer yourself wrong, ever. Love it. One great final nugget. But so for everyone listening, if they want to get involved, if they want, you know, get help from you as a creator or just follow your page, where can they connect with you? Yeah. So everything is JT Barnett at J-T-B-A-R-N-E-T-T. And my page for like the creator stuff, all of the creator recruiting, the site is creatorx.fun, F-U-N. So if you go on creatorx.fun, you'll be able to see all the brands that we're doing the creator stuff for, all the ones we've done in the past. That's where you sign up as a creator if you're like looking to do that kind of stuff. And then uh, there's also a link on there to like for brands that do like strategy stuff with us if that's like something that you're interested in too. So awesome. Guys, run. Don't walk. Run. (laughs) All the links will be in the description if you guys need. But thank you so much, JT. I really appreciate you coming on. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.